Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. From the producer of Clear and Present Danger. Oh, no. The general's daughter. Do you have any suspects? Everyone. Before you arrest anyone, you notify me. And the director of Con Air. You're going to have to decide on this one. Are you a soldier? Or a policeman. Why was she murdered? Profit, revenge, jealousy to conceal a crime for plain old homicidal mania. Were you aware of Elizabeth's extracurricular activities? It was kept confidential. What, she violated a code? She cheated? She lied what? John Travolta. Nothing is gained by my involvement. Madeline Stowe. You'd better start thinking about your career. And you better start thinking about yours. The General's Daughter. You, do you want to start this one out, out, out or should I? Uh, I think you should. Uh, you've been on the attack too much tonight, so I'm going to hear your case first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The General's Daughter is uh, the movie today, directed by Simon West. Uh, who? So this is a bit of trivia for you, Deniston. Uh, okay. Simon West had directed what is probably the most influential thing directed by, by the more so than any other thing we're, 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 we've talked about or are going to talk about on this podcast. He's directed a short video that is more widely spread than any movie. I think we're going to talk about uh, during this podcast. Do you know what that is? Uh, well, I was hoping you were going to say Con Air, and uh, I was going to hear this uh, great take on how this was the most influential film of all time. But uh, <laughs> no, it's either what a commercial or music video, I'm assuming. And, but it's, I don't a, know. it's a music video, uh, and it is, I believe, commonly referred to as the, the Rick Roll, uh, where people oh. will huh. psych people out online and then play them the Rick Ash- Ashley. Ashley? Ash- Ashley? Rick, Ash- Rick uh, Astley, yeah. <laughs> They'll play the "Never Gonna Give You Up" uh, music video that Simon hmm. West directed. So I thought that I think was he's kind proud of, of that? interesting. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> you don't think he was hoping it'd go maybe a different way? That that would be like a uh, he directed this great film and also this meme. So to you know, 
to psych you out a bit, I'm going to have to say that uh, due to the barometer that we have now established from our episode on John Sayles Limbo, uh, okay. the fact that this movie has so many recognizable stars uh, that obviously that means that it is a great movie. Correct. Is that what do you, what do you mean? So many recognizable stars. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got John Travolta, Madeline I'll Stowe, give you that one. James yeah, Woods, uh, John Cromwell, yeah. Clarence Williams, the third, uh, I guess that's a stretch. No. Uh, yeah. Timothy Hutton, who would be, re- I think recognizable as a young man, recognizable as a young man. Uh, and then uh, there's someone else we're forgetting in there somewhere, right? I'm going to say no. If uh, like James Woods uh, is like your second probably biggest name <laughs> here. And that's only because of his, uh, you know, uh, active, I think, Twitter presence uh, over Madeline Stowe. Not, but, you know, not, maybe so, the... not so active anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably <laughs> his account deactivated at the time of this recording. But um, OK, yeah, Madeline Stowe. Probably at the time, yeah, was, you know, a, a suitable co-lead. But I, I don't think this is, you know, this is definitely not going to be the most star-studded thing uh, we have going for no, us. No, uh, no. But does it pass the test for me? Uh, John Travolta does here. This is a uh, <laughs> this is a guy that enjoyed his uh, performance in John Woo's Broken Arrow so much that he decided to do it again, except he wanted to be the good guy, I guess, a good-ish guy and General Stodder, and that's probably the main takeaway. I'd seen this once. I saw this uh, during its theatrical release. I think I watched it with my dad and didn't really give it much thought um, since then, uh, other than like, oh, I wonder wonder how they're going to handle the uh, sexual politics of this um, kind of trashy thriller. And I would say probably not so well. Uh, not so gracefully, but it, you know, it wasn't graceful. I'm sure back in 1999 either. It's just, it was not part of the, uh, public conversation, but John Travolta is definitely in a B or, you know, C grade thriller here. And he's uh, seemingly having a good time. So when he's having a good time, I am as well. So that's a recommendation then, correct? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I think I would, <laughs> in this climate, I think I'd just recommend Broken Arrow. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I, I'm going to recommend General's Daughter. <laughs> I would recommend Broken Arrow as well. And uh, Face Off. Face Off is a good John mm-hmm. Travolta yes. 90s thriller. And there are a few good uh, 90s comedies with John Travolta. Um, yeah, and so this is coming off right after... He had a big 98. He had... A civil action and the uh, primary colors and i think one more but i can't remember off the top top of my head uh and so he's coming off of a really strong 98 and this kind of you know um it's not not his best work i don't think he i don't like this whole deal where he's extremely dumb in the beginning and then suddenly uh, he's investigating a murder and, and he's the smartest person, you know, in the world. I don't, I don't, hmm. that seems kind of lazy and stupid to me. Um, I didn't necessarily read it that way. I, I still always read Madeline Stowe as the smarter of the two. Um, I would say if, if I was giving a more positive bent, uh, it's the, I, I don't buy into the, uh, 
you know the the sort of moral arc that he goes on uh-huh. uh I don't buy that at all, but I do buy a man who's kind of coasted on uh just sort of the strength of his personality like he's a he's a salesman somehow he's managed to be able to sell sell himself uh although with a, a horrible uh southern accent uh, yeah. when he's doing his undercover work at like knowingly a uh, horrible uh accent um but you know it it kind of works for me that he just becomes more interested and engaged. And the reason it does, I don't think it's the way I'm supposed to read into it, but the film has this murder victim is this woman that he meets when he gets a flat tire and that, he that, brings up. So not to interrupt you, but that's, that's to me what really does it is the fact that he doesn't know how to change uh, a tire. Uh, and then suddenly he's just, you know, fucking Sherlock uh, for the rest hmm. of the movie. So you, um, you didn't think he knew how to, to change the tire. I thought he was just doing it as a means to like keep her there. Like he, you know, attractive so. woman. I don't think he okay. really maybe, maybe like I'm giving him more credit then to, to change. We're, 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 I mean, we're really we're getting an, into the weeds I, here. We're, we're analyzing this, uh, changing of the tire scene. Like it's the Zabruder tape. Uh, but I don't think that's what the intention was. Yeah. The, the intention is that he meets her. So he has a bit more compassion and maybe he turns over one more rock than what he would have. He doesn't accept just the, you know, the first official story just because he met this woman, uh, once followed up with her, basically trying to get a date, had a, had a crush on her, like thought she was attractive. And that's what causes them to, to investigate her death. And I actually kind of liked that, that he's being led kind of by his own ego that this was, you know, this was a woman he was interested in, like one more sort of notch on his belt. Uh, Madeline Stowe's character kind of throws that back in his face uh, that he, you know, he just kind of wants to win at things. And then after he's won them, uh, he doesn't have any more, more use for them. So by having this damsel in distress, you know, die before he could, you know, vanquish her in a way, I don't think it makes him a more likable character, but I felt like it was more honest why he would, uh, be a dog with a bone on this particular case when it doesn't make too much sense for him from a political or a professional reason to uh, to see this through. See, I tend to like these John Grisham type thriller deals. This isn't based off of a John Grisham novel. Uh, is it? It's based off of a novel, though, isn't it? Yeah, Nelson DeMille. Yeah, okay. Is the author's name. Um, and so, and you touch upon it. Uh, a bit, but so him and Madeline Stowe's character have this history that that's kind of uh, not really spelled out uh, right away. And then as we come to find out more about it, it's just some sort of rant. It, 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 it feel that that felt shoehorned in. Um, it, it, she complains about that. He, that he didn't pursue her enough. Uh, that feels like a made up conflict uh, for them to have. Uh, and this similar, this is similar to the movie, a few good men in that you've got a woman and a man working closely on this, uh, investigation or whatever, uh, of a, of a crime. And, um, and they don't actually sleep with each other. Spoiler alert. Uh, but the move, but in this movie, we're definitely led to believe that they're going to strike up a romance, you know, once it's over. And it, a lot of that feels unnecessary. I, I really would have liked it better if they had just been forced into this situation and didn't, didn't have any prior history with each other at all. Um, well, I would I actually like them having a prior history, 
but I would prefer them just to be grownups about it. And like neither one of them holding any ill will, but thinking like, glad I dodged that bullet. Like yeah. both of them respectfully. I, I think that would have been just more adult and would have been kind of interesting. He kind of, like he's literally at the crime scene and Madeline still like, there's a, you know, there's a dead person. There's a dead girl. Like yes. on the grass, and he and he's like, "Oh fuck, Madeline Stowe's here! <laughs> oh, that horrible person!" <laughs> you know, that's not very believable uh, to me. Uh, but so yeah, okay, I, I like I like both of our pitches better than than what's in the movie. To to be fair, see, this isn't hard. Making movies not hard. <laughs> we solved it in thirty seconds. You got two options. <laughs> okay, and so you teased it a bit about the sexual politics, uh, but we haven't really like you know spelled it out what's going on here. Um, that this woman has been who he met briefly, who is a uh, younger person and who is the daughter of a high-profile general, and she has been raped and killed, uh, presumably, uh, uh, you know, left for dead. And uh, he and he's assigned to find out who who did it. And he and he also another another prior history thing. He he knows the general, and the general gave him some nice words when he was in Vietnam uh, or something. And so Hold that is to, uh, like the. <laughs> well, I know I'm. Con- I was hoping that he would have had a story that like riffing on uh, Forrest Gump, like told him that his socks were the most important thing. But I, <laughs> I believe it, it was a uh, baseball. Uh, thing basically like a Red Sox score, uh, which is not nearly as good as Gary Sinise and his his advice to uh, you know men enlisting into the armed forces. I feel like a lot of these things they they make the film less they make the film more predictable. Uh, the minute you hear that that he really that he knows uh, James Cromwell's general character and that they and that he made this big impression on him earlier on, you you know you know that 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 the general is not going to be entirely innocent in this affair and right. it's just like you know i i guess that's a spoiler slightly um not really i mean even when i think when he leaves the room the general looks to his aide and they're yeah. both like i hope he doesn't hope he doesn't find out about us <laughs> Ooh, that was a close one and, and these long shots of clarence williams the third just pulling out like the two two general stars and, and looking at them like that's really that's really odd uh you know i don't know what that's a, uh, so yeah i the movie feels like it knows exactly where it's heading and it wants to really clue the audience in on uh you know on how they're going to get there and that's What's what's interesting is that there are some genuine surprises, but they're delivered in pretty ham-fisted, heavy-handed ways. And um, so uh, I believe on the last episode you talked about how there would never be this scene. This scene would never be presented as it is today. Uh, And I know even in 1999, it was very controversial that we do that. We so we do eventually see an actual rape scene with this uh, character, the victim. Um, And what's odd to me about it is that it it just has no emotional power at all. It just feels disturbing and off-putting and there's no reason for it to actually be in the film. It's an inept choice. It's a, it's a choice that has no uh, thinking in terms of how this is going to actually play for an audience and and that's where that's where the movie 
falls apart for me is when we when we get to the scene with the girl psychiatrist and he's detailing the actual rape. Uh, I don't know why we have to see it in such detail. And, um, you know, I, I think I, it plays yeah. better if he just, re- even if he just mm-hmm. relays the information, yeah. mm-hmm. just seeing how uncomfortable it's going to make, obviously, uh, Travolta and Stoke because of how she died. And then, you know, spoiler alert for the film, uh, the fact that she recreates her own rape uh, to force her father to, to deal with it. Um, that that's a stronger scene. Uh, I mean, that one's necessary because that's, you know, that unravels uh, a lot of the curious bits of the, the mystery here, as far as, you know, there doesn't seem to be any signs of rape, uh, her clothes stashed away, like uh, I believe like on a rooftop or something in a building close by uh, James Woods, entire involvement. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that <laughs> it feels like, did they, did they not think audiences would like, sympathize or they wouldn't get it if someone just said you know there's there was an incident that happened mm-hmm. like the fact that we have to in excruciating sort of detail like we have to go back and see like all the faces of these men who did this horrible thing we have to see her her pain and struggle like i think it's enough when you see her pain when she's talking to the general when she's talking to her father mm-hmm. um and you know the, and that maybe the sequence in the hospital where he basically tells her to just forget about it and just to you know, for her to to be uh, an active participant in covering up the crime that uh, happened to her. That's that's I don't, I don't know. It feels like we relive it three times, and the time that it's actually shown uh, is the least powerful version of it. That would have been so. That would have been my pitch. Would be to let the scene in the hospital between the general's daughter and the general to let that scene actually play out and to not have music under it, not to present it as a montage. Uh, and, and, and the same thing with the scene where she's recreating the, uh, the, the sequence of events and everything, uh, for him later on, uh, the, those are presented as like montage moments as like quick cuts and everything. And those seem more important to the characters than the actual rape scene does. And it feels, and and I hate to, I hate to accuse the movie of this because I don't know. But what it feels like, it feels like the movie wants to have it both ways that they want to. Um, the, so the movie wants to sympathize with women in the military and to bring up this really important political uh, you know, subject matter for the late 90s and everything and to take a real strong moral stand on that and everything. But at the same time, the movie kind of wants to titillate its audience with a graphic rape scene. And mm-hmm. I hate to accuse the movie of that, but that's exactly what it feels like. And that's exa- and that, that's how I remember feeling uh, when I originally watched this in um, 1999, probably on TV at some point uh, was that this, this, the, it, it's this, it is this graphic rape scene, which really uh, makes it fall apart. Makes it hard for, for me. Someone who's having a, just a, a ton of fun with John Travolta as this uh, sassy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sassy military policeman. Um, I, I feel like you get, uh, that's probably why the beginning uh, investigation, this sort of arms deal within the military is sort of forced in that we have like one fun gunfight before basically everyone, I guess in the audience, all the characters are told to uh, to sort of 
settle down. Um, but there's still some like strange judgment to um, some kind of slut shaming in a way. Like they discover uh-huh. uh, that that she has a you know a less vanilla uh, lifestyle sexually uh, with these tapes um, in her her like you know kind of over the top like basement hidden bedroom that she has which um i don't think that care i don't think for what she was doing that makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> like it like for her it's almost like she mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. thinking that she was involved in some sort of criminal act by it but you know she didn't she didn't know what was going to happen to her so it makes it seem far more like a vast conspiracy when really it's just you know something slightly uh embarrassing that just co- coincidentally sort of ties into uh, her murder. And, uh, even though I'd seen this before, I, I'd forgotten who the killer was. I, I distinctly remember, of course, the general was involved in some way. Uh, I remember that his aide was involved in some way, but I was in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, wait, there's some, but something else here, as far as there was someone else involved, it's the actual killer. And for most of the runtime, I guess you're, you know, you're being told you're beaten over the head. That's James Woods. And I guess, I guess he was directed to play that up. Like <laughs> that, you know, you, you were going to be the obvious villain choice, but we're going to make it so obvious that the audience is going to automatically look past you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, it can't be him because James Woods is, uh, he's enjoying too much. This, uh, sort of wordplay, this verbal sparring with John Travolta, um, when he's, I guess, initially like questioned. And then when he's, uh, wrongfully arrested by Travolta's character, he goes into like full on like Heath Ledger or Joker mode, where it's like <laughs> it becomes very strange in that sequence where he's uh really like playing playing it up theatrically, and I I, I felt like the Woods character was all over the place. I don't think it's the fault of the the actor, but I, th- I think they were just trying to liven up the the middle the the red herring part of the the film that it just goes way too over the top for my taste. It was awful. It was awful. Go ahead. What, she violated a code? She cheated? She lied what? Worse. Drugs. Worse. Rape. Worse. What's worse than rape? When you find that out, then you'll know everything, won't you? Yeah, you know, okay. James Woods is actually my favorite thing about it. Um, I really really enjoy Hmm. his performance, but uh, so going along with your criticism, like there, there are some huge plot holes here in regards to, to what happens with him is that. So yeah. So, okay. So we're led to believe that he must be the killer because his fingerprints were all over the place. But then we come to find out that that's because he was helping uh, the general's daughter do this thing for her father to reenact you know, this, this, uh, this, uh, this crime. And, but here's the thing. If that's the case, then why isn't he uh, like upfront and honest about it to John Travolta's character? Why is he being so coy? Uh, why is he not really, you know, jumping at the gun to, to clear his name Instead, he's like, you know, talking in riddles and, you know, and, and I enjoy those scenes. I enjoy those scenes. But but from like a story standpoint, none of that makes sense once you find out what his actual purpose was. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just to it's it's a big, you know, bending over backwards. That character uh, is very much doing to to protect her privacy <laughs> to his <Yeah>. own demise. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> way after the fact that, you know, her, uh, I, you know, I don't think really her privacy uh, was her, would be her main concern at that point. Because she definitely, she put herself in a situation, ultimately, you know, what gets her killed is that it's, you know, not only her father being directed to, to find her and to, to face, you know, what he's done to her by, by asking her to conceal this crime that she's recreated, but uh, also, you know, Last spoiler warning, I guess, if you care at this point. Uh, Timothy Hutton as the the lover. And really, unfortunately, you know, you started this by <laughs> sort of making fun of me for attacking poor Limbo. Um, you know, yet another person going going to town on, on <laughs> this forgotten John Sales film for not having a strong enough cast. But um, as much as I don't consider Timothy Hutton a big movie star, uh, the fact that he appears as basically the uh, military sort of doorman, <laughs> like to just check in with Travolta when he like you know rides into another crime scene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, tell a few jokes, like he's clearly like the only yeah. viable suspect. Then and I think the the film does a big disservice that way, also because you know his reasoning uh, is because he's he's one of the guys on the tape, right? But like. I think he play he's a stronger character if he just mucks up the investigation because he's embarrassed uh about his sexual pursuits him being you know one of the ones filmed uh in her little bedroom her little basement now see I'm a little confused because i thought I thought he was the only person that she wouldn't sleep with, and that's what drove him nuts at the end no yeah but he's the, he's the attacker for the those tapes, which I also don't yeah know, I, why would he do that that doesn't make right. sense either. so <laughs> I think the character's better if he's just one of the guys on the tapes oh, okay. and he's just, it just adds to this weird conspiracy where you have all these conspirators that don't realize they're working in tandem with each other. Cause there's <laughs> so many secrets, but they're, they're just after they're just trying to hide one individual secret that they're a part of, but instead, yeah, it's just this act of jealousy and rage, uh, because you know, she wouldn't sleep with him. Um, so I, I think the the film. I don't know if I'm assuming that's how it was in the novel. I don't know, but the film. You know, we needed another suspect, a more interesting suspect, and unfortunately, you know, James Woods won't work because he's too far over the top, and also just based on the title of the film and the way they uh, they direct James Cromwell to play it, he's also too obvious. So we need, we need someone else here. Yeah, I mean, there, it's there's a lot, of, and so okay, so getting back to Timothy Hutton and the big third act surprise here. Um, you know, like the, the, that is coked up too. And doesn't, doesn't feel like, I, yeah, I think your pitch is better, but it, why? I told why, you it's easy, Ben. Why, it's so easy to make these things. But why does anyone have to steal the tapes? Like, that's what I don't get. Cause it's very interesting to me if Travolta has the tapes and then suddenly it's this big, you know, military conspiracy thing of, oh, is he, you know, those are, you know, like, what if he allows those to go public or whatever? Um, You know, that's interesting. Uh, But yeah, the the, the minute they lose them, it's not that interesting anymore. And uh, yeah, doesn't make sense that that he would be the one to take them. Doesn't really, this whole idea that, oh, he was just the only one she wouldn't sleep with and uh you know and that just drove him nuts and everything it it it, it you know it feels so phony um it's a misuse of a good cast i think and um and i i normally like these types of movies as, as guilty pleasures so and these these type of movies don't really exist anymore either i mean this i mentioned no. it right now <laughs> this is uh you know this is a television procedural um, and I don't even think anyone would even entertain to make this a, a big budget, you know, 
summer uh, June release with the big movie stars, as you said, like sort of at the, uh, well, I won't, I won't say the peak of his powers because Travolta had peaks and valleys, but you know, one of the peaks uh, of his career uh, was doing this. And yeah, there, it would be unheard of for this to be a big uh, populist release in the summertime now. Yeah. And we, so we have another mystery coming up where I think it ha- it suffered from the same problem uh, where, where, you know, where, where the person, you know, who ultimately, <laughs> uh, ends up having done it, uh, it, it's just so obvious from the very first minute that they appear on a screen, um, you know, and, the, and they think they're being clever. Uh, same thing, same thing here. And I guess we'll talk more about that when we get to that movie. Well, what do we, what do we have coming up next? I don't know. I, I, I will give the clues then. Cause I, uh, I sort of, I sort of alluded to this one on our, I believe our prior recording already i'm i'm watching a bit ahead and uh i will start with the first oddball clue which is uh, you know we talked a lot about villains or possible uh villain choices for general Stodder. uh the lead in our upcoming film was the nemesis in the classic uh cartoon adaptation inspector gadget oh uh, my and that's a that's a 1999 film that we're skipping <laughs> and <laughs> We're going a different way to a much better film that he started. Oh, I don't know what I don't know what it is. What is it? I'll give you the actor, Rupert Everett. Oh, okay, an ideal husband. All right. There we go. He's the all villain right. in Inspector Gadget? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Matthew Broderick is the hero. But. So we I mean we've got a real blockbuster coming up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can, I can like, you know, if if people were waiting for our general's daughter uh you know episode uh i doubt that an ideal husband is the uh palate cleanser they're looking for but uh i think i think it'll work well it's very gonna be obviously very different uh selection than this week's material well you know to me what's really interesting is that you look back on a lot of these films that we're talking about like general's daughter or instinct and and some of the other ones uh, a lot of them are, are like dr- have drifted almost into total obscurity uh, despite the fact that they were uh, reasonably, you know, commercially successful, um, maybe not instinct, but general general's daughter certainly was. Um, it it came close. I believe it grossed over 100 million in 1999. Well, which... that maybe that's the reason I was able to find that one on Amazon Prime and uh, Instinct. It was it was fuck all. They just one. they just took General's Daughter off Amazon Prime. So <laughs> I, just I discovered, under the buzzer. Yeah, I discovered that when I went to watch it uh, the other day. Well, uh, I'm sorry for your loss, Ben, <laughs> and for the loss of <laughs> the nation not having the General's Daughter anymore easily and readily available. Uh, also probably won't be the case for an ideal husband uh, check this one out on DVD from the library uh, and I'll save my thoughts for uh, our next recording and so will I And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99